what we're going to be talking about is what does a member of the church of the living God look like in the New Testament? What's our responsibilities? What should we be doing? Okay? So I pulled out, I have eight things. Just eight. Just eight. They probably encompass a lot more than that. Okay? But before I get into it, So what I'm doing is I'm giving you an overview of what I'm thinking about doing 
as a part of that class, okay? And it's not to be like, you know, I need a DNA test. I need to know how much you're going to tithe. I need to know how much you're going to, you know, I don't need any of that, okay? It's nothing like that. It's fundamentally, what does the Bible say about me being a church member? Amen? So what are we, we're going to look at that. Amen? Now, a lot of people go, I just don't believe in organized religion, and I don't think Jesus meant churches to be organized like this and that and other things. Oh, really? Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, And on this rock I shall build my church. Amen? And that ain't the first time Jesus used the word church, by the way. He used church several times. He uses it again in Matthew 18 when he's talking about winning our brother back. Remember the verse that we read here a week or so ago? Let's just go so I don't have to sound like I'm uh, clamoring all over myself. Go to Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to show you that we talked about this. And then you're going to go, oh, yeah, I remember that. So if you remember it, when you, when we get there, it would yeah, say, oh yeah, I remember that, okay. This is if your brother sins against you. Starting at verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two other along with you, and that every charge may be established by evidence of two or three witnesses. We get close to remembering. Watch this. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. Again I say unto you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Let me give you a refresher. Remember we were talking about how people misuse this last verse. Wherever two or three are gathered. Remember that? How they misuse that to say, oh, that means I can have church in the uh, uh, Walmart. Well, you could if you purposefully set up a meeting of the church body to go there and meet in Jesus' name. But if you're just walking around the store and all of a sudden you start talking to somebody about Christ, you're, you're witnessing that that's not church. Amen? The purpose of church gathering is to meet in the name of Jesus, not to go get my groceries. <laughs> I mean, bless your heart, I'm glad you're living a Christian life while you're going to get your groceries. That's not having church, okay? That's not, not having a church meeting. A church meeting is where the church people get together in Jesus' name. Amen? So this same verse, Jesus mentions the church again, and it's in regards to winning a brother. Amen? Who is singing, right? So we see here Jesus mentioning the church more than one time, okay? And Jesus establishing the church is a fundamental part of why he came, amen? So the church is important and should be important to believers. I want to give you this a little background. I didn't look all this up, but I know it to be true. So I wrote it down. Most of the epistles are written to local church bodies. Think about it. Romans, Corinthians, Colossians, 
Ephesians, Philippians. These are churches that are being written to, right? Didn't say he didn't send a letter to each and every person. He sent it to the church. Amen. Why? Because he knew everybody met on the Lord's Day. Amen? And back then, it wasn't just the Lord's Day. We go back to Acts, they met every day. Remember that? Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 48 or 47. They met all the time, every day. They broke bread, met in the temple, prayed, all those things, right? So we need to understand that Jesus is not talking some foreign language about establishing his church. This is something that was fundamentally part of what he came to do. Amen? First and Second Timothy, which we've been reading through, and Titus are written to pastors or elders of specific churches. Timothy was the elder in what? Ephesus. And Titus was the pastor in Crete. That's why I sent them the letters. Why did he send them the letters? To instruct them on proper church function and on uh, how the church was supposed to behave. Hence, in Timothy and Titus both, he gives what elders look like, what deacons look like, what, what ministries they're supposed to be over, the things that they're supposed to do. And then he talks about the church's behavior in their worship. Amen? That's that you can sum up the book of First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. That's why Paul wrote those letters to those pastors. Revelation chapter two and chapter three, right? Consists of what? Letters to the churches from Christ Himself. Amen. What did John say? He said, I saw him walking in between the candlesticks, and he said, these are seven stars in my hand are the seven churches, and you're going to give them all these messages. He had a message for each church. Remember that? Jesus came to establish the church. The church is a vital a part of what Christ wants to do in the earth. So why any Christian would say, God didn't come to establish that. He didn't, he didn't want to organize religion. Why wouldn't he? He doesn't want disorganized religion. He doesn't want a disorganized body. Amen? We know this. The church in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Let's go read that. I want to, we've read it already. We went through 1 Timothy already. But I want to give you a refresher course on what this verse says, okay? Uh, 1 Timothy 3. 15. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. So here we see that the church should be a pillar, a buttress of truth. It should be the place that people can go. I'm going to go to church because I know I'm going to hear truth there. Amen? That's going to lead us back into what our objective is as believers. What our job as church members are. Okay? I'm going to leave that right there. You can write that down. 1 Timothy 3.15. Also, 
we're not to be some loosey-goosey, kind of just kind of committed to each other kind of body. Ephesians chapter 4 says that we're supposed to be knit together like a body, each part doing its work, right? Know what it says? Let's go to Ephesians and read just a smidgen of that, okay? Ephesians chapter 4, and let's read verse... Oh, where do I want to start? Let's just read verse 15 and 16, okay? Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are grown up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint and with uh, joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now watch this. You're not going to church. I highly doubt you're growing. Matter of fact, when I wasn't going to church, even Carmen and me, when we got hurt by the church that we, the second church that we pastored, we, had, we got hurt and we stopped going to church for a while. Last church we had went to was First, First Baptist downtown and it was, that church was great. They didn't hurt us. It was the church that we were actually pastoring before that, okay? But while we weren't in church, we were not growing. I promise you. We, we may have read our Bible, we may have prayed, but we were really not engaged and growing. We weren't in a, a place where we're going to get sharpened by our brother or our sister. Matter of fact, we were just harboring and hiding guilt and hurt and sin because we didn't want anybody to see it. And we stayed there for about a year. That was a tough year. Okay? a tough year. We're not going to grow by ourselves. That's not how this Christian life works. We absolutely need each other to grow up into the full image of Christ. Because although you are saved by faith in Christ alone and you have your own personal relationship with Christ, that is not his end goal. His end goal is that we all work together and build each other up in love. Amen? But if I separate myself from that, I'm not going to grow. There's a purpose in why the church meets. And he doesn't want some loosely fit together thing. He wants a tight-knit organism that when every part is working. Notice he said every part is working, okay? So we can't get out of, well, I'm just a foot or I'm just a toe. Well, you know what? If most of us would have to learn how to re-walk if we didn't have our big toes. If you didn't have your pinky toe, you'd have to learn how to rewalk. Because your pinky toe does a lot that you don't even know about. It balances you. You'd have a hard time walking without your pinky toe. I know people without pinky toes, and they have a hard time walking. They can lose their balance really easy. Just telling you, every part matters. And for us to think that the only part that matters is the guy standing behind this pulpit is ridiculous. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> Almost got an amen out of Carmen on that one. I think. Oh, <laughs> I thought she was like, amen. <laughs> Tried to tell it for 16 years. Go with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 2. And then I'm going to get into my eight things, okay? Acts chapter 2. I want to just, just give you a refresher on what Scripture says here. This is after the, the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost and Peter preached his sermon to 3,000 people. Very important part of Scripture that I'm holding on to dearly. It says, verse 42... It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing them to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together breaking bread in their homes and receiving their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved amen that's what we want I want to be that church amen I want to be the church that's living and active and growing. Amen? But it's not going to happen by myself. And it's not going to happen for you by yourself. It's not going to happen for anybody by themselves. Amen? The whole purpose of the church is to glorify Christ. Amen? I don't glorify Christ by saying I love God, but not loving my sister or brother. Do you see why our relationship with each other is just as important? That's why Jesus said, love, there's one great commandment, then there's another one just like it, right? Why? Because I can't say I love God and hate my brother. Because the love of God is not in me then. Amen? And I can't say I love my brother, but hate God or his people. Can't have one without the other. Amen? So let's talk about this. Church membership. What does church membership look like in the Bible? Okay? And I'm going to throw out some verses here to you for each number that I have. Okay? Regular church attendance. That's the number one thing on the list on this one. Now I know that uh, doctor, and he's probably smarter than me because it says doctor on there. Okay? <clears throat> I'm pretty sure Dr. Thomas, in his reasoning for prayer for the church being number one on his, I read that section, and he pretty much said, nothing in the church is going to be done great or in the will of God outside of prayer anyway. So that's the reason he put it first. But his very next one is the same as everybody else. And when I say everybody else, I mean everybody else. I looked this up, and almost unanimously, there is at least five things on this list that almost every single church that I looked up believes the same thing about church membership, okay? Number one thing about being a church member is you're going to be at church, 
Okay, I don't want to be as plainly obvious as this big nose on my face, but just saying, that should be obvious, right? If you're going to be a member of a church, you need to be at church, amen? Not just be at church, but be involved, amen? I, I don't know how many of you remember when you first got saved, nobody had to talk you into doing anything at church, right? Like, remember when you first got saved, when you, uh, like, it didn't matter where, our youth group, didn't matter what was going on. It could have been the dumbest thing at church ever, okay? We'll be there. If I could have signed up for women's stuff, I'd have been like, yeah, I'll go to that too. Yeah. They wouldn't let me. I mean, you know, Baptist church, they was pretty specific about that. And I don't blame them, okay? It should be. <laughs> but that's how enthusiastic I was about being involved, amen? And I don't want to lose that as as I grow in my faith, I shouldn't lose that enthusiasm to want to be involved, to want to be, man, you didn't have to talk me and Mike into coming to church on Sunday night or Wednesday night. If you told us there was going to be church services more than twice a week, we was probably happy, okay? That's why we went over to Pastor Dick's on Saturday nights, because we just got, could not get enough of being at church, amen? That's the way it should be. That's the way it should. We should want to be around other believers. Amen? It ought to be that way. Now, I'm going to give you an obvious verse for this, okay? Go to Hebrews chapter 10. This is an obvious verse for what we're talking about. And everybody's going to go, oh, yeah, Pastor, here he goes. Quoting the same old scripture over again, okay? Yep. Yeah, 12, 24, and 25, yep. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Uh, he says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. Now, before I get to verse 25, I just want you to understand, before you can do verse 24, you have to do verse 25. Amen? Before I can do this, I'm going to read out of King James so Mike feels good. <clears throat> I love you, Mike. Trying to help you out, brother. Look at this, verse 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now, how am I going to do that if I ain't around you? Huh? That's pretty difficult to do, right? I mean, even in modern day where we can send a text or, or, or call somebody, it's not the same as actually being around that person, right? It's just not the same. If you'd have told me and Mike and Ruth and Tabby, oh, you guys can't come to church. When we, when we first met in 02, if they were to try to tell us, hey, you can't go to church, you can have the same experience on your telephone. We'd have laughed at them, right? Like, no, i got to go see these people. i got to get my hug. i got to talk about the Bible. we got to pray together. we got we got to cry together. You know what I mean? We can't, it ain't going to be the same thing over the phone, right? So it's very important for us to understand Jesus meant for us to be together. And then we can read verse 25 knowing that it is the point that we need to get. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as ye see the day approach. Amen? We can't Forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Why? Because we're not going to be that tight-knit body of believers 
doing all the work together. You know, the foot's doing its job, the hand's doing its job. And don't get it wrong, the pastor ain't the head, okay? Because there's only one head of the church, and it ain't me. It's Christ. Amen? I want you to get that mixed up. I'm just a hand, okay? I ain't no, I ain't no head. The church, God's a head, and it's Christ. Amen? Regular church attendance. And then I put Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where they said they uh, devoted themselves to the disciples' teaching, to the fellowship. Amen. That means you have to be around. You can't fellowship from, you know, across states, okay? Fellowship is together. This is an intimate act of being around people. Amen. That's why we start having fellowship dinners after church so we could be around each other. Amen? The whole point. I don't know if you realize it or not, but we got that on the sign out front. We got the fellowship. Love fellowship. Just letting you know. <laughs> Love fellowship church. That's English, okay? I know you. A gay church. You know how many times I've heard that? It's a gay church. Technically, that's not a wrong translation, okay? A gap, a gate, it's the same difference. The word agape means wide open love. <laughs> so it means the same thing. Uh, Jesus is kind of love. That's right. That's right. Number two on this list. I put prayer number two on my list. But it probably could be in first, in first place, okay? It could probably be in first place. Because we are told over and over and over and over about prayer. Now, I'm going to read a few of these, and then I'll give you the other two, okay? Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, we all know what this verse says. You can pray without ceasing, right? He's not talking to a person. He's talking to the church in Thessalonica, right? That's who he's talking to. He said, pray without ceasing. He wasn't talking just to the pastor, was he? No, he's talking to the church in Thessalonica. If you are a member, you're part of the church. Amen? Go with me, if you will, to Romans 12, 12. Romans 12, 12. <clears throat> this is very important. He's writing to the church in where? Rome. Amen. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. I can't emphasize how many times the New Testament talks about prayer. A church that doesn't pray, you can't pray enough at church, okay? Like, I know we prayed before we had our uh, call to worship. We prayed before we, uh, we prayed before we take up offering. We prayed before I would, no, yeah, I know we didn't do it tonight. I'm sorry. I always forget in the evening service to pray over the offering. I need to do that more. <clears throat> we can do it before I leave. But we pray over, before we read the word, sometimes we pray after we read the word. Sometimes people are praying while I'm preaching the word because they're like, Lord, can he please get it right? <laughs> you know, 
But prayer should be a constant thing in the life of the church. Amen? Christians, people who are members of the church, you don't need to just be praying for you, but you need to be praying for the church. Amen? Praying for the success of the church to do God's will in the earth, to reach the community that we're in, to, to, to help one another, to help those in need. You know, there's all kinds of things that we need to be praying for as a church member. Amen? Uh, Colossians 4 and 2. I don't remember this one, so I'm going to go look it up. If you don't remember where Colossians is, I believe it's right after Philippians. It's in the New Testament, Carmen said. <laughs> Colossians 4. Oh, yeah. Oh, it starts out this way. I don't, I don't know how it starts in the, in the uh, uh, King James. I want to read it real quick. Out of King James. People are like, why am I seeing the pastor's behind on this camera? Yeah, it says the same thing. It says the same thing. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Amen? Continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. The King James says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So I'm not just to be praying, but I'm, I'm supposed to be praying with an expectation to thank God for the answer. Amen? I'm supposed to be thankful that God hears why, because we know that he, has, he hears what we ask for before we even ask. We, he already knows what we're going to have need of. Amen? He's not surprised. God's sovereign. He's not up there going, oh man, I can't wait to hear what they're going to say. Right? He already knows what we're going to ask for. He's not surprised. And if he knows what we're going to ask for, he's already got an answer waiting. If he's got an answer waiting, he's got provision waiting. Amen? It's, it's not rocket science. Amen? God knows what I'm about to say. He still expects me to respond in faith and ask anyway. Amen? That's our job. We're to pray with continue. Continue in prayer steadfastly. I like, I like how the ESV says steadfastly in prayer. That gives you an emphasis on we need to keep praying. Amen. Not just one. Oh, I prayed three, three years ago for that and didn't get it. So I guess it wasn't God's will. Can you imagine if that's the way they prayed for Peter in jail? Remember, you know, the church prayed without ceasing with, while Peter was in jail. What if they had church service like we did to come and pray for Peter? You know what it would look like nowadays? We'd have all met here for five minutes. We'd have prayed for Peter for five minutes, and then we'd have spent 15 minutes talking, and then we'd have went home. That's what a modern-day prayer service would look like. Back then it says they prayed without ceasing. Yeah, or just typing thoughts and prayers on Facebook, right? <laughs> but they had an emphasis of coming together in prayer. You realize they felt the, the verse that we read that wherever two or more gathered in his name, understanding that when we have a prayer, uh, a, a prayer meeting, that we're coming to pray to Jesus over specific things, there's a reason for the prayer meeting, and we're going to keep praying and keep praying. They kept praying until Peter knocked on the door, and then they were so, so stuck on praying, they was like, it's a ghost, shut the door. 
And Peter had to knock again. No, it's really me. Let me in. They're going to come and find me again. <laughs> he just, he's escaped from prison, and they won't let him in the house. Okay? Like, I'm sure he's worried. Okay? Like, let me in right now. If a Roman guard walks by and recognizes me, they're going to take me back to jail. Can you please let me in? <laughs> Amen? Let's be realistic. That he didn't get out of jail on his own. Like he didn't walk out, sign the paper, hey, I'm leaving jail. He got let out. They didn't want him out of jail. He got let out. The Jewish leaders would have put him right back in there. Right? Come on. I feel like I'm talking to Never mind, I don't need that. And then I put Acts 2.42 in there again. Because Acts 2.42 says... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the prayers. Come on. What prayers? The prayers that church members should be praying. Amen. We should be praying for each other. We should be praying for the church. We should be praying for the lost. We should be praying for the government. We should be. Am I making any sense yet? Prayer. Number two on the list, okay? Three. Preserving the gospel. Church members, not just pastors, not just leaders, church members, preserving the gospel. That's what you're there for, too. Galatians 1 and 6. Now, you're going to say, this doesn't make any sense, Pastor. You quote Galatians 1 and 6 to us all the time. It has nothing to do with prayer. You're not talking about prayer when you do it then. Just give me a chance to explain, okay? We're talking about preserving the gospel, right? <clears throat> Galatians 1 and 6 says this. Well, if I can get there, I'll keep flipping past it. He says, and this, I don't know how it says it in the King James. Let's go look at it too, because I, you know, I like some of the emphatic words that they use in the King James, so let's look at it too. Galatians 1 and 6 in the King James says, <laughs> I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you un into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Right? The, the ESV says, I'm astonished. I marvel. Right? I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and you are turning to a different gospel. He's not talking to the leaders. He's talking to the church, right? This is the church of Galatia. Now, now there's lots of churches in Galatia. Okay, Galatia was not a town. It was a whole region. And there's lots of churches in there. So this letter would have been read at all of them. Okay? Not just one city, but many cities. And every one of them, he's talking to the church. Amen? The church in that town. The church in that area. And he's saying, I'm so astonished that you're running after a different gospel. Not that there's another one, right? He says, not that there is another one, but that there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and I am now saying, if anyone preaches to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. 
Now he says that twice in two verses. Right? Says it in verse 8 and then says it again in verse 9. He's repeating himself because he's trying to get a point across that our job as Christians is to be able to discern false teaching, false doctrine. That's why those gifts were given to the church. Remember that? Romans 12, Romans 14, gifts of the Spirit. For the church, discerning the Spirit. Come on, let's be real. Let's be real. Now watch this. I started thinking about preserving the gospel. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4 real quick, and we'll, I'll show you just a few verses here uh, talking about the very thing that I'm talking about. And if you don't know, Ephesians 4 is all about unity in the body of Christ. And there's lots of deep theological things in here that you can understand about what the church should be doing. Okay? But we're going to look at verse 13 and verse 14. He says this. So that we may no longer be children. What's he talking about now? First of all, he's talking about them growing up in unity, right? Right? Because we read uh, verse 15, right, and 16. We read this 15 and 16, right? Rather speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up into every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together and held together by every joint which is equipped, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love, right? Remember that? Just a few verses before this, starting in verse 13, he said, Until we all obtain unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to the mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we're talking about growing, right? Now watch this. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wave and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By the cunning and craftiness of men in deceitful schemes. Do you see that the body of Christ as a whole, if we're all working together, all doing our part, not only are we growing up, but we're being able to discern what is true gospel teaching and what is not. You understand? That's a big thing. That's part of the church member's job. Amen? Philippians, or not Philippians, excuse me, Philemon, chapter 1. Now this one's to Philemon, if you want to say it that way. There's some people that like saying Philemon, okay? And I believe Philemon is uh, just before Colossians, or right after it. Where in the world did Philemon go in mind? Philemon. Where'd you go? Well, I'm looking right here. I, I thought I could find it. And I'm, I'm losing it. Right yeah, right before Titus. Okay, right after Titus. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. I'm glad somebody knows their Bible. <laughs> Woo! Philemon. Okay. One... I don't think that's right. I might have been right with Philippians, okay? 
Yeah, it started with P. I might have just wrote it down wrong. We'll find out real quick here, won't we? Oh yeah, here we go. This is it. <laughs> Philippians 1, Philippians 1, verse 9 and 10, okay? This is Paul praying for the Philippian church. Obviously, it's not going to be in Philemon because Philemon was written to one guy, right? Not a church. Two. <clears throat> and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. You see that? He's talking about them being able to discern and to approve what is excellent. That's the church's job, church members. It's not just my job. It's your job to make sure what I'm preaching is right. It's your job to study your Bible and go, hey, Pastor, why, why did you say this when the Bible says this? That's your job. Amen? Not just, it, it's not just me that preserves the gospel, but you. Amen? That's why you know you got to make sure the pastor knows we're in Philippians and not Philemon, right? Good job, Tabby. I'm proud of you. Loving one another. This is easy, okay? Every Christian should love one another. Jesus, John chapter 13. Go to John 13. The, the, the fourth one on my list is love one another, okay? This is part of our call. This is part of what we should do as Christians, amen, as church members, not just pastors, not just leaders, church members. Anybody who is saved, regenerated, born again, better love their brother in Christ, amen? Why? John chapter 13, verse 35. What does it say? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Amen? It didn't say because your pastor wears his fancy, free Jesus Project suit and can talk real good. It doesn't say, I need to get an amen on that. Man, I'm looking for a tough crowd. <clears throat> It doesn't say how much Bible you know. It doesn't say how much. Now, you ought to know your Bible for all the other reasons we already talked about. Defending the gospel, you know, praying, all the, being a church member. All that's a yacht to. But that's not how people are going to know you're a church member. Not how they're going to know you're part of the body of Christ. It's going to be the love that you bear one for another. 1 John 4, 7. We'll read it real quick. 1 John 4, 7 says this. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. If you're a church member, really, look, because just because you sign a piece of paper don't mean you're born again. So I guess I could put as a caveat to the very first thing that is required to be a church member is that you're born again, that you know Jesus, amen? That should be, without a doubt, the first thing. 
Amen. You've got to know Christ. That's, that's a requirement for being a church member here. I know I say all you've got to do is fill out a, a connection card, but in reality, if you write on that connection card that you don't know Jesus, I can't literally let you be a part of the church until me and you have a conversation <laughs> and you have come and express faith in Christ. Because the church is for believers. Amen. You've got to understand that. But loving one another is a prerequisite to knowing Christ. You can talk about this Ephesians uh, 4 again where it said building each other up in love, right? It says that two or three times in there, talking about love in that whole chapter about unity and us maturing into Christ. And notice that it's all talked about doing it together. Amen? We gotta get that. It's not by... When, when Pastor Randy, bless his heart, I love him to death, when he used to say that, sometimes it rubbed me the wrong way, but there ain't no Lone Ranger Christians. That's not how God worked it out. Amen? That's not how his will establishes his church, and every believer needs to be a part of a church. Amen? Amen. All right. Number five. Members of the church. Right? Number five, and this was one of the unanimous ones that I found almost on every uh, church idea of church membership, okay? Submitting their self to leadership or to the elders or to however you want, whatever word you got for it, okay? And Hebrews, go to Hebrews 13, God's favorite coffee. Come on, that's funny. Hebrews Huh, huh, man, this is tough tonight. <laughs> this is tough tonight. Hebrews 13, verse 17. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. That's why I'm getting the reaction I'm getting. <laughs> Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, I'm just going to use this verse for understanding of leaders, okay? Uh, Mike, what does the King James use right there? Does it use leaders? What does it say? Obey your leaders is what the ESV says. That have rule over you. Now go ahead and read the whole one, a whole thing out of King James. Let me show you something here. Amen. Now here's what he's saying. Number one. If they're in leadership or they're, they're in authority over you, submit yourself to them. That's number one thing that Christians can do. But it also says something in there that can help you understand why Paul is saying it. He says, number one, for they're keeping watch over your souls. My job is to preach the gospel of Christ in such a way that you live and grow and, and God uses that and his spirit to conform you to the image of Christ, right? And I have to take that very seriously. And I do. 
in saying that, I'm watching over your souls. Watch what he says. He says, for they will have to give an account. You realize I, as a pastor, as an elder of the church, am going to give an account for those who I have led. Amen? Number one, he's saying, submit to them because it's going to be for their benefit that they see a growing, thriving Christian as opposed to someone who would rebel against authority or, or uh, maybe buck authority anytime it doesn't please them, right? Now, I'm not saying just submit to your pastor even though he's preaching outright blasphemous things, okay? No, that's your job is to say, hey, hold on a minute. The Bible says this. Hold on a minute. The Word of God says that. Remember, we already talked about before this how it's your job to correct false teaching and to be able to discern right and wrong teaching. Amen. So I'm not saying this in a way that you misunderstand me, that you just submit to the pastor no matter what. I'm saying if you have a godly pastor whose teachings are true, submission to that authority is going to be a benefit to you. Now watch this. He also says this. He says, let them do it with joy. In other words, let me give you Kevin Slayman's English. Cooperate, for goodness sake. Cooperate. Don't make it harder on them than it needs to be. Okay, that's just my interpretation of that, okay? That's what I got. I'll settle down right now. I'll just settle down right now. Don't make it hard on them because that won't be advantageous for you. It won't help you to make it harder for them. Amen? We're to be, first of all, as Christians, we're to love one another and prefer one another above ourselves. Remember all that? That's part of just being a Christian, right? So in saying that, when we're talking about me teaching you, I have to be teaching the right things, and you have to be willing to tell me, hey, that's wrong, and then if I'm preaching right, you have to be like, okay, we submit to the Word of God. Amen? That's what the way it should be. So that's another uh, a job of a church member, okay? Number six, evangelize. I, want, I, I don't want to go into this in detail because everybody knows that the Great Commission was not just given for the pastor. It wasn't just given for the, 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 the deacons. It wasn't just given for the youth pastor or the, the, the children's church director or whoever, right? It was given to every single Christian is our job to win souls. Amen? So I agree with uh, Dr. Murray when he says to draw other people to the church. That's not just my job. Amen? That is the job of church members. Amen? It's, and, and if we're all engaged and we're all doing the things that we should be doing, we will be doing that. Amen? Evangelize. Matthew 28, 18-20, that's where you can find the Great Commission. Okay, and I want to check this one out because I don't remember it right off my top of my head. I want to go to first, uh, Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians, yeah, Second Corinthians five. Second Corinthians five. Now I'm going to hurry up through this. Okay, I'm sorry. It's taking for a while. It's taking a little while here. I just wanted to get a good introduction to what it means to be a church member. Amen. Do you think that's good information for church folks to have? Come on, 
on. Now, we've got all these expectations on the pastor, and we don't think we have any. Amen? Come on, man. I'm a church member, right? I'm still a member of this church, even though I'm the pastor. I'm still a member. Amen? Hope y'all ain't kicking me out. <laughs> Maybe if this sermon goes too long. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5. I believe I want verse 19. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let's do 18, okay? All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I remember this now. And it is in Christ God was, at, that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making, God, making his appeal as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's everybody's job. He is writing this to the Corinthian church. Amen? Huh? Did, oh, yeah. Second Corinthians. My bad. Second Corinthians. Chapter yeah, just for the sake of the recording, that is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 through 20, okay? So, yes, he's making his appeal through us, right? That's you. That's me. That's us preaching the gospel, not just me, amen? The pastor's job in all reality is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, amen? That's why it says he gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, all that stuff, right? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Everybody hold your hand up. If you And I know everybody in the room, and y'all are saved, y'all are saints. He's talking about you. Amen? So your job is to be an ambassador for Christ in evangelism. Amen? I know. Everybody's like, hold on, I didn't sign up for that. Where's that in the fine print? Why didn't you tell me that beforehand, right? Number seven, support the church. We've got a few verses for this. Since we're in Corinthians, let's go to 1 Corinthians. And I'll try to keep myself in the right book this time, Mike. Thank you. Second, or 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints. I want to stop right there. That ought to be enough evidence for you that they gathered money to help the church to, to do things. Amen? I mean, I, I, if I have to read any more into that for you, we need to go back to crayons and, and chalkboards, okay? I don't mean to be mean. That, that's probably overboard, okay? But I just think that's a kind of elementary thing. You, you, you get what I'm saying? 16, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed to the church of Galatia, the churches of Galatia, notice that this wasn't just an order to the church in Corinth, in, in Corinth right? He said he had already told this to the churches in, a, in Galatia. So that's more than one church in Galatia. We already talked about that. Now concerning the collection for the saints as I directed the church in Galatia, so you also are to do. 
On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collection when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredited by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. Notice they're collecting money, finances for the work of the ministry. Amen. Uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians 9. And I'm going to go to the next point because I'm running out of time. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Where is it? Oh, each one must give as he has decided in his heart to give, right? Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound to every good work. Amen? So God isn't trying to just beg for your money because God needs your money, right? He's wanting to see where my heart is. Do you understand that giving is not because, obviously, our brothers and sisters or the people we're trying to reach may need help. The, the brothers and sisters in the church who are less fortunate than some who need help. They, they gathered that money. Didn't it say that in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 50, 47? said that they sold their, all they have and gave as every man had need, right? So we understand that gathering or supporting the church is part of the biblical responsibility of church membership. Amen? And lastly, and that this is not least, serving faithfully somewhere, somehow. Amen? We have already talked about in Ephesians, how each part has its purpose, has its job, doing its work. Amen? Each part fit together, right? Each doing its part. Amen? So we understand we all have a part to play. Even in corporate worship. Amen? Even if I'm not the one singing up there, I need to be singing down here. Even if I'm not the one preaching here, I need to be reading and, and questioning and listening there. Amen? Even, even if I'm not the one praying here, I need to be praying there. I need to be praying there. Amen? So we understand service in this. I wanted to pull out Romans 12, and I know it doesn't automatically jump out to you as a part of this, but I will show you my thought in this, okay? And my thought lines up with lots of other people's thoughts on the subject of service in this way. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may test and discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen? How does this apply? Number one, my reasonable service is my life being a living sacrifice to God. So whatever God needs me to do, I'm willing and, and, and able to go do it. Amen? 
it's within my power and ability to do, I'm going to do it. Because my life is God's. Amen? Now, we can talk again about Ephesians 4, because there's parts of that that apply to this. I want to flip back to Ephesians 4, and I'm going to show you what I'm talking about in verse 11. Okay? Ephesians 4, verse 11. He says, and he gave some to be what? Apostles, prophets, and evangelists, and shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and the full stature of Christ. Amen? Now you see this? First of all, it says he gave you these offices to equip the saints for their work. So if there's work that the saints, everybody remember who, who the saints are, right? If that's you, that means God's got something for you to do. Every one of us, something. Amen? We need to be in service. Uh, Hebrews 6, and I'm going to close with this verse. Hebrews 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust as so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you do. Now he's talking about this church, the Hebrew church, serving other saints. You see this? Our service is always one to another. Galatians 6 talks about this too. Okay? Talks about service and how the church members, the church body, amen, needs to do. Don't get it mis don't get mistaken. Your pastor is a church member. The elders at your church, they're still church members too. Amen. And they're doing their job. They're doing the part they're supposed to be doing. Amen. Now we got to find out where we're supposed to be. Amen? And I think every church member, if we look at church membership like this, with these eight things in mind, we're not going to have this apathetic idea of what church membership is. We're not just going to think, it's my job to warm this chair. You know what I mean? It's my job to just kind of sit here and be quiet and let everybody else do their thing. Amen? I think we need to understand that church membership has responsibilities too. Amen? And that's not a bad thing. Matter of fact, if you know there's expectations of you on your job, what do you do? You do your best to meet the expectations. Why are we not seeing church members reach expectations? Maybe we're not setting them. Maybe we're not setting the expectation. Maybe we're not making it a real... Uh, uh, an, uh, something tangible that they can look at and say, that's what I'm supposed to do. Amen? Let's make it practical where people can go, yeah, I need to be doing this. Yeah, I need to be doing that. That's the only way any of us are going to live and grow and move and grow up into the fullness of Christ. Number one, together. Number two, doing our part. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you that the Spirit of God empowers us 
to live holy and upright lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit has given each and every one of us a gift that we can use in the body of Christ to help other people, help ourselves to grow and, and, and learn and live and move and have our very being in Christ. And we do that together. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that members of this church are getting the vision, God, that are, they want to see a church that is alive and growing and thriving. We want to be that Acts chapter 2 church, Lord. We want to be that church that's devoted to the teachings of the apostles. We want to be devoted to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to learn and to grow together. Help us, Lord, not just to, to, to warm a pew or to, to, to warm a pulpit, God. I don't want to warm this pulpit. I want to be about your business, Lord. And I want to be about doing the work of your church that you established. Lord, we ask for your help. We ask for your wisdom and your guidance, God, to do all these things. Because outside of you, we can do nothing. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.